1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, we got some big news this morning. How are you feeling?
2: I'm feeling relieved, Nick. So I I told you, I'm like, let me save my little story from the pod. It's not an amazing story, but every morning, because of the hemisphere and time difference, lots of stuff happens in the NBA that I'm not aware of. You know, 7 a.m., 6 a.m., we were doing the Kevin Durant to, to Brooklyn pod, my time in, in the Southern Hemisphere in Melbourne. Today... I looked at my bleach report notifications, and I'm like, oh, Trey Young doesn't want to be traded." Then I like open up like more notifications. I'm like, "Oh, Jacques Vaughn fired!" And I sort of am like to my fiance, I'm like, "So our coach got fired," and she's like, "Well, hopefully the players are doing something as well." I'm like, "Yeah, I get it. All right, all right." But in saying that, it was it was a relief. I yeah. think I was positively surprised by it because I thought that you know I. I've criticized Joe sign the past for not making decisions because of money reasons. He made this decision. Obviously he had a part to play in this decision for money reasons. There's plenty of reasons behind it from what we know and what has been reported, but this was the right decision. It probably could have happened sooner, but now congrats to Kevin Ollie. Hopefully he gets a, a decent crack at it. He'll be taken over the team over the coming days and be running practice. And then that Raptors game, he'll get a chance to implement what he wants to implement. And there are plenty of changes that need to be made, but this is one in a one that's been ticked off the list, Nick.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty big stuff. You know, there is definitely a feeling, oh, maybe, you know, Joe Sile just kind of let it ride to the summertime. They'll do a deeper dive then. They're not going to, you know, fire Vaughn. You know, Sean Marks likes him and all these different things. But then we get the news today, which makes sense given All-Star Weekend, you know, the NBA, the Nets, they didn't want to announce it before then, takes away from the festivities of the weekend. You know, Vaughn now gone. And obviously that loss to Boston, the back-to-back losses to Boston, especially just down by 50. It just felt like it was a turning point of the season. You know, we already saw that game in December where they rested everybody against Milwaukee. That kind of sent a bad message to the team and to the fan base and everything. And then this loss to Boston really was just like the cherry on top. It's like that segment of time from last week, thursday to that december game against milwaukee that was just a really bad section of nets basketball and you and i have talked about it on the pod we talked about it privately how i just kind of like the energy was sucked out of the fan base and just the expectations and everything just it wasn't exciting. You know, it wasn't, we weren't looking forward to watching the Nets. It's not like Kevin Ali going to come in and change a ton of things and the Nets are magically going to be amazing, but something new and a chance to make change and hopefully utilize and, you know, develop guys to the highest extent for the rest of the season, which is still a good chunk of games. It's not like we're talking about 10 games. I think it's like 28 games to finish out the year. And I think you really can learn things about guys in those 28 games.
2: Yeah, and look, you said the cherry on top, but I don't know how many cherries are on top, Nick, because, you know, we, in our little Google Doc, we sort of wrote down, like, things that have led to this. The Boston loss, obviously, absolutely humiliating. The Bucks tanking game and resting all those players, which Mikel Bridges himself wasn't happy with, and he spoke... Yeah, pretty credibly to Shams. Like, Shams, you know, when he reports about players, they generally speak straight to him. That Clippers' historic blown lead. Yep. Plenty of player unrest. His bad lineups, X's and O's game management. His post-game comments left a lot to be desired in terms of the lack of accountability for him. Occasionally, string players under the bus over the past few years. There's... And the thing that, like, it doesn't frustrate me, but it's just... Like, we're sort of going across our Google Doc a little bit here, but I think it's worth it because... It frustrates, I think, a lot of Nets fans and people who are probably listeners to The Buzz and many other Nets platforms, the fact that John Hollinger, David Aldridge, uh, Matt Moore, and all these people are like, oh, it's so surprising that Jacques Fong got fired. I listened to the NBA Athletic show today. They were surprised as well. It's just like, do you guys like know NBA coaches outside of Los Angeles and Miami and San Antonio? Any person who knows basketball knows that Shark Fawn isn't a good coach. He's not a bad bloke by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, that's one of his credible, one of his like great strengths. Like He has a, a great, warm personality, and that was all his detriment in terms of his level of optimism, where there shouldn't be optimism sometimes, grated on me and probably you and many other Nets fans. But if you look at him and what a, a head coach should be able to do, like shocked, surprised like you just shouldn't be like it's as simple as that like he's not a good nba coach he proved that in orlando he's proved that now in in brooklyn for an extended period you know he hasn't been able to implement an offensive scheme which Mikhail bridges and plenty others and now former net brooklyn uh, spencer dim what he wasn't happy at either but he's not a good head coach this should have happened it's it's good that it has finally happened Again, I'm not a, a person who's like a, a big fan of people losing their jobs, but he's going to get a nice little payout as well. Yeah. So he'll be happy with that. He'll find his... And there were other people sort of saying like he'll find his way again on an NBA head... And I'm like, no, he's not a good NBA head coach. Like he's proven that. Like you know, he's not a JB Bickerstaff. He's not a, a Mike Budenhoser who has gotten fired and then can get that job again. Doc Rivers, but there's a lot to be desired what's happening right now. But Jacques Vaughn's not a good NBA head coach. People who are saying otherwise don't understand the X's and O's of what's been happening within the Nets the past year and a half. So it, it is what it is. Listen to people that know a bit more about the Nets. I'm not saying myself and Nick are those guys. Nick probably is more so than me, but don't listen to those general NBA heads. Like It, it reminded me of people like when Steve Nash was getting fired, I was like, man, he didn't deserve that shit. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, he did. Steve Nash was freaking awful. And yeah. look, Jacques Vaughn was pretty bloody bad too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Vaughn will be an assistant head coach still in the NBA, and he'll probably get maybe another interim job or something like that, but I don't think anyone's going to go out of their way to hire him, like you said. Um, I think, like, him being a nice guy, he was almost too nice. You know, I was doing some back research of different things we've heard, and, you know, they uh, there was a Spencer Dimity quote talking about Kevin Ali and giving them a motivational speech after their loss to Charlotte, Charlotte. How, how that got them going. And he talked about how, you know, Ali was a little bit more stern and more motivating And, you know, he made the comparison of, you know, maybe your dad's too nice and you have an uncle who is a little sterner and kind of gets you in line. Well, that's kind of what he was alluding to there. And I think maybe Vaughn was too nice. And this team maybe needed kind of a a kick in the ass given, you know, some of the youth of the team, the lack of experience of guys in a leadership role in all those different things. And I think, you know, the NBA general media being surprised is just like just shows they're not following the Nets. You know, you can kind of go down the list of their last, you know, five to seven games. You look at that loss at home. To Golden State, you know, Golden State very, you know, shorthanded in that game, not playing good basketball. The Nets were getting cooked, they couldn't do anything in that game, and that was a game they easily could have won because Golden State didn't play well in that one. Dallas, whatever, Luca goes off, Cleveland comes in, blows you out. You get a free win against San Antonio because obviously they're trying to tank and they're just trying to develop their young guys. Then back to back losses against Boston, and just anytime you lose a game in the NBA by 50 points and there's no injuries, there's no rest and the other team is resting key players. You know, they rested Jalen Brown in that game and Al Horford. I think that alone is enough to be fired. Like, you're losing by 50 points with the majority of your team healthy. You know, Ben didn't play in that game, but he hasn't played majority of the year, and you guys just... The game is over by the second quarter. You know, it's not like they got hot in the third and hit 10 threes in a row and went on a crazy run. No, the game was over in the second quarter, and it was just kind of pathetic, and if you're listening to the pressers and the way that the players are talking about the team and what's going on, and you've pointed out on Twitter... Just the way Mikel's kind of had his vibes and personality over the course of the last last month has been very sour. And he's a guy that's usually very positive. And, you know, he's not the end-all be-all, but I think that kind of matches up with the trail. You know, the the clues are there. The evidence is there that Vaughn has lost the crew, lost the team. And then there's been more than one type of questionable thing he's done from his, you know, scheme, his X's and O's to his lineups. And then, like you mentioned from the Shams report, Shams report, we had Dinwiddie and Mikel not being happy with the offense and it being free flowing, which is great when you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and, you know, huge offensive cogs. But when you don't have those guys, you have to find a way to make their life easier. And you hear a lot of people saying, oh, they don't have ball handlers. They don't have creators develop guys into ball handlers and creators. It's not like there's no talent on this team and you have players that could potentially grow far further along. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, Dinwiddie didn't play well and there's an array of different reasons, but we'd mentioned on this podcast probably a month or two ago, one of the reasons he wasn't playing well was his relationship with Jacques Vaughn. And it kind of seems like he was pouting. Like he didn't get what he wanted. There was no pecking order. So Spencer was like, all right, if you're not going to handle NBA business, I'm just going to go sit in the corner and shoot threes when I feel like it.
2: Yeah, the offensive, I think the X's and O's of coaching is something that Jacques Fawn isn't amazing at. Like, I just don't think he is. And talking about offensively, the the news that we got, the fact that they were so heavily reliant on Ben Simmons being the fulcrum of the offense, a guy who's missed over 150 games in the past three seasons. like it is yet is, to look 100%. Like that, like that is, he's, he never looked 100% no. this
1: season or last season.
2: And that's not to say that like the Nets haven't looked better when Ben Simmons does play. They do. Like They generate greater offensive op- opportunities from the perimeter and, and inside. But that's just like... And it's sort of... When you're speaking about like, the offense as well, it made me think back to when Mikhail and KMJ and DFS and all those guys first got here and Jacques Vaughn was running the same shit for them that he ran for Katie and Kyrie. And it's just like you... as The job of a coach is to get the best out of their players. And to understand what will get the best out of their players. Jacques Vaughn did that at different points in time, but the overwhelming majority of his tenure in Brooklyn the past year and a half, two years, he hasn't. And that is on him. Like the the lack of understanding to switch like more incessantly and more repetitively. Like it, it just the Nets shouldn't be an average team on like I think that's more of an aberration. The fact that the Nets are, I think last time it was like 17th, 19th, something around that range on defense. They should not be that. When you have Mikhail Bridges, and maybe that is because there's too much of a burn on him on the offensive end. Look, I'm not, I'm not a player advocate for everything. Eventually, Spencer did when he Spencer did what he's like shit is his own shit, and you know he, he can ha- do his fun and have his fun in, in L.A. But when your star player, quote unquote, star player Mikael is saying what he was saying, like Mikael after the 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 Bucks game, you are know, playing that 12 minutes, he's like he was incredibly stern and incredibly. You know, off-put by the decision to essentially punt that game that we pretty much could have won like the first time we versus the Bucks this season we were points away after McHale and Cam going off which was one of the, the more fun losses we've had this year and sometimes that's all you want you want the process to sort of be there and the process has been lacking in so many different ways because Jacques Fawn has been the head coach and whether that is a lot on him and you know, what he said post the, the Celtics game, like, we haven't had these guys in for a long time. What Dennis Schroeder and, like, Cam Johns play seconds together, and that's the reason we're losing by 50-plus points. It just felt like if Jacques Vaughn had been like, yeah, I made the wrong decision there. I should have played Cam longer, TJ. I should have taken out those guys. I should have called a timeout there. I can't remember many times, if any, Jacques Vaughn took some a sense of accountability. And that's where I think a lot of problems are within the Nets organization. While we're seeing some rumblings around Sean Marks now, the fact that he's going to get a pick. What is it, Nick? I think Pooch posted on Twitter. How many head coaches over the past decade? Seven, something around that. I know you have it um, with you. I'll, I'll have a look at it on the Google Doc in a sec. But that's, and the fact that Sean Marks pick Steve Nash, pick Kenny Atkinson, pick Jacques Vaughn, and then is now going to pick another, a fourth head coach. And I think the process behind them is something that I was left a little bit to be desired for me. Jacques Vaughn's hiring was essentially just like, ah, we don't want to look and do an extensive search. Steve Nash's was pretty bloody similar. He's like, that guy was there, they picked him, and there was not an extensive search. There were rumblings around, you know, uh, uh, Ty Lue and and some others here and there, but I think that was all a bit of you know glossing on on what was already a, a, a done signed sealed and delivered sort of decision. So the process needs to be better. Do I trust Sean Marks with that process now? I don't really think so.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Marks hasn't done a great job with the coach. You know, the hiring process has always kind of been a friend of his or somebody has a relationship with, you know, the Nash one was at least a little bit more in depth, but there's obviously a lot of pressure. The Vaughn thing, it's like they jumped the gun because uh, Yudoka couldn't be their head coach because of some stuff behind the scenes. The NBA wasn't really allowing them to hire him. You know, that'll never be like public knowledge, but that's a lot of rumblings and a lot of different directions hearing about that stuff. And then they go with Vaughn and they kind of commit it to him too early, especially with everything being up in the air with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You know, if those guys were set in stone, they're going to be here a long time. And that's the guy that they wanted. That's cool. But knowing that they could be traded at the deadline and Vaughn probably wouldn't be necessarily the best pick for the next group. That was an issue. That was a mistake. And like you said, you know, there's a chance that Marks might not get to pick the next head coach. You know, there it's it's a possibility. I don't think it's set in stone that he's going
2: to be here. Somebody give you that reporting that we we did get a report should, that should he's we re, yeah we could, yeah re, read that out. So. Via Jake Fisher, there is mounting speculation among league personnel about whether Marks could follow suit out the door. But among NBA figures with knowledge of the situation, there's been little doubt of Marx's ongoing strong standing with Nets Governor Joe Tsai and Clara Wu Tsai. So that's eventually basically saying that he's on a warm seat, not a hot seat. I think Jake Fisher, when he reports on the Nets, and we've had him on the pod and he's done some some good reporting in the past, but it's not... Brian Lewis or or those sort of guys, so it's not words, it's not shams. Who's the players sort of talking piece as well? So, uh, I think that it's good to know that there is at least some sort of heat. And we uh, on a previous pod that I did upon the trade deadline, reacting to that, you know, Kevin O'Connor reported from an external NBA executive, like why is Shaw Marks not on the hot seat more? Like what he's been doing with this team? It's he's making lots of mistakes. Blah 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 blah. So, look, I I th- I think he's secure enough. But yeah, it's it's just interesting that just the guy who is hired and fired is going to get to hire again. I just, yeah. I'm not, it makes me feel a little bit antsy, a little bit irksome, Nick. I don't know how you feel.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it's kind of matched up with some of the things that we've mentioned on this podcast that Joe Psy and Sean Marks seem to be really connected in a lot of the decisions too, seem so maybe, you know... Joe Psy is kind of telling Shawn Marks what to do. You know, I think there's an extent to that as well. So it's not super surprising to hear that report. Um, As I've mentioned, as you probably mentioned, you know, I think the best thing for this team probably would have been a full reset, you know, including firing the GM and going in a new direction and just kind of. Hey, new culture here in Brooklyn. We're gonna to try to get things right. Maybe bring in some big names. Like, if you're gonna go, if Joe Sy wants to go star hunting, some big time executives help
2: like that. Helps. He wants to go star hunting, Nick. Like, yeah, yeah, he wants to go star hunting. Ian Begley reported, and Ian Begley is you know a, a, it's probably closer to Jake Fisher when it when it comes to reporting. But the Nets are going after a star, and Ian Begley was sort of saying that part of the reason why Vaughn was fired was because he thought it could hinder the chances of getting another star. And, you know, Mikhail you know, not being happy and not wanting to recruit or whatever. So I think that the Nets are going to be star hunting in the near future, 24, 25 off season. And Jacques Vaughn being the head coach was just not going to make sense. So I think we're, we're hearing the direction here, but who's going to be the head coach to during that process, it does remain to be seen. Did you have any other thoughts before we get to basically a few little questions which discusses and asks us who we think or who we want could be a possible head coaching candidate outside of Kevin ollie who done some great things at UConn did some great things at Overtime Elite. I think he's gonna be a I'm really excited about the he can do. coach but...
1: this past summer.
2: Exactly. So any other little points Nick before we get into some of our candidates who we might want to
1: Yeah, I don't think there's necessarily anything big to talk about. I think the evidence was kind of there for Jacques Vaughn's departure and, you know, him losing the team and all those different things that we'd mentioned and all the frustrations. And, you know, I think the players are probably happy and they'll probably come out with a newfound energy. And that's going to be pretty cool for the rest of the season. I also think that 28 games, if they went really bad, that could be bad for Sean Marks and get him out of here. So I think it could end up almost being a win-win situation for Nets fans. So,
2: Nick, let's... Finished with some listener questions, and they're around, I guess, the next likely or next possible head coach. You know, Hassan has asked us, "Who do you want to see? Coach the Nets? Would you rather see have a rebuilding development coach or an experienced veteran coach?" He listed a few candidates that we can discuss too. And then Java Ghost asked us about again coaches and then changes to the Nets organization. We'll focus on the coaches first because there's so many changes that we've discussed in the past. But we were discussing names a little bit, Nick, and we've discussed that a little bit off wax. Who'd be your top three candidates?
1: Yeah, I think you'd almost have two different sets of top three based off of what the direction of the franchise is going to be. You know, I think Hassan made up a great point of like, you know, rebuilding coach or maybe an experienced veteran coach. You know, if you're going for a star, I think you probably want to go more so for the experienced coach or somebody who at least has spent a lot of time on an NBA bench rather than somebody who's, you know, new blood doesn't have that necessarily experience, and now all of a sudden, the star players are questioning. You know, is can this guy lead us in a playoff series? So, I think. You know, Mike D'Antoni definitely a guy that's always intriguing because of the offensive pop he can bring. You know, Budenholzer's been mentioned. He's not necessarily a guy I love just because of his overall style of play isn't my favorite, especially when you get into the postseason. You know, obviously he won the championship with the Bucks, but that was a, a very lucky season. Like, if we're being honest, and obviously he's had other failures um we've talked about jared dudley i think is an interesting name obviously has ties to brooklyn has always talked about wanting to be a head coach has spent some good experience in dallas obviously players seem to really like jared dudley and he does you know coach one of the best players in the league that maybe the nets could try to target down the line you know jared collins was a guy we had mentioned the past defensive minded golden state guy now in new orleans and that could be a young guy if they're going in that direction so i think there's there's hope like you've mentioned and we talked about is like hopefully it's just a long in-depth search where they interview a lot of different candidates and really do their homework rather than kind of jump the gun on somebody you have a good relationship with and obviously you know working with someone you have a relationship with can make things easier especially with those tough conversations but at the same time if they're not qualified and going to give you know your team the best opportunity to win they're not the right pick but jack anybody who you love to see you know coach in the nets
2: yeah, look, look, I think the the two names that are going to be strongly linked for a while, are Jared Dudley and Michael and and you know, Bleacher Report but like Mark Jackson, like Stan Van Gundy, <laughs> these sort of guys. I'm I'm not I'm not the bit. Yeah, I know, I know Nick, but those aren't guys that I'm. But I wouldn't. Actually, I as hate to say it, I
1: I wouldn't rule it out because it is New York. Josie, no. Mark Jackson, big name. You know, back in New York, all those different things. Obviously, as coach Golden State, so it's like I wouldn't like to see it, but I I can't say that it's impossible to happen.
2: No, I personally wouldn't want that. You know, Dave Yeager, You know, these sort of guys that are sort of in, in that sort of realm. But I personally, this is just me. I like the development sort of route. You know, I like you know a guy taking a chance on an MMA guy or a Will Hardy. These sort of guys, are Chris Finch, that have established themselves as quality NBA head coaches. You know, have done the hard yards and the assistant sort of route. You know, I listed a few guys jokingly. You know, in a joking tweet the other day before Jacques Vaughn was initially relieved of his duties. You know, Jordy Fernandez, Kevin Young, um, Chris Quinn, you know, via Miami. You know, you look to the organizations that had success. You look to the guys that have been part of that success, whether offensively, defensively, both development. Kevin Ollie could be that guy, you know. Yeah. But as you alluded to, Nick, it's about, you know, the process that is involved in hiring that guy. A lot of names out there, you know. If Jared Dudley, if you could guarantee me Jared Dudley brings Luka to, <laughs> to Brooklyn, like, just do that in a heartbeat, but I don't know how, like, close their ties are and you know Nikola Jokic seems to be pretty close with Luka as well so maybe he comes to Brooklyn away <laughs> from his horses and away from everything Denver but no in all honesty it's I don't fully trust Sean Marks and his decision making but if he can trickle some things through the media saying the Nets are going to be extensive in their search I'll be like okay that makes me feel a little, a little more confident but yeah I don't, I'm not as comfortable like you with Mark Budenhoser. I wouldn't hate it but I, I'm not a guy with a, a Dave Yeager or a Mark Jackson these sort of guys you know, I'd prefer the experienced assistant taking a chance on those guys. Let them run their own coach, um, run their own teams. Kevin Ollie has proven that, you know, in in college and and in the the G League Overtime Elite program. So, there are plenty of names for the Nets. It's just going to be intriguing to see which route they do take. So, you know, who knows? Kevin Ollie could prove himself, you know, and you know, bust the, the door open and say, hey, you know, I'm gonna. The Nets have a pretty easy schedule to end the season, yeah. so maybe the Nets go twenty and eight. Obviously, probably unlikely, but maybe 18 and 10. They do some things offensively, defensively. He warms himself to the organization uh, as well. So, but I want guys, I want to hear about, you know, guys that are on assistant coaching routes. I want to hear about Bordenhoser, these guys being interviewed. You know, I want that search to be lengthy and detailed. So we'll see, Nick, but, you no, know, it's on, on to the next one and onto Kevin Ollie leading us against those Raptors. And hopefully it's a W.
1: Yeah. And I think the biggest thing in the coaching search is going to, kind of tell us a little bit about the direction of the franchise and what their short-term and long-term goals are in terms of who they hire. And then even potentially we could maybe get more rumblings about how much is it Joe Sai centric and how much is he making decision on the head coach? Maybe he's like, you know, Sean Marks, you haven't done great. I'm going to make this decision. You know, I'm going to have you help me. I'm going to have all the information presented to me, but I'm the one who's going to be spending money and paying essentially three head coaches next season. So let me kind of have a say in what's going on, which could be for the better or for the worse. It's going to be really interesting, but at the very least I think it'll be exciting and and fun for us as, you know, Nets podcasters, Nets fans and all those different things. So at least there's some new juice, new energy for the rest of the season. And Jack, always a pleasure. And big thanks to everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.